Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. It's the morning after a shocking upset. Donald Trump is president-elect of the United States of America. He uh, defeated uh, Hillary Clinton in a historic upset. Um, almost 100% of the prognosticators got it wrong. We'll talk about a couple who got it right. One of my guests, Damon Can, has a connection to one of those prognosticators. Uh, here are just some of the headlines uh, in the aggregator section to Real Clear Politics. Absorbing the impossible. That's the headline for Marine Dowd, New York Times. Uh, Trump's win for the little guy turns the world upside down. Michael Goodwin, New York Post. Uh, Trump didn't split the Republican Party. He strengthened it. That's Fred Barnes in the Weekly Standard. Democracy is more than just winning elections. That's Peter uh, Beinart in the Atlantic. And uh, here's Thomas Friedman, New York Times, expressing perhaps how elites and establishment are feeling today. Feeling homeless in America is the headline to, uh, to his uh, article. We're going to talk about uh, the historic election from yesterday, what it means going forward, and we especially want to hear from you. Uh, here, is, uh, here are ways to reach us. upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Or you can reach us toll-free, 800-826-1495. 800-826-1495. Later in the hour, we'll be joined by Mike Lyons, Associate Professor of Political Science at Utah State University. We welcome in right now uh, Damon Can, uh, USU Associate Professor of Political Science, who was with us last night. Thanks for that. Thanks for coming back in. Great to be here. Thanks, Tom. Um, so you've... Uh, you've had another some eight hours since we went off the air to, to absorb uh, the election. Shocking is, is an adjective. Um, upset, unexpected. Absolutely. As you look over the forecasts uh, and what a lot of people had been predicting, uh, it looked, though well, the election was clearly narrowing in the days leading up to the election, virtually everyone had predictions of Hillary Clinton uh, winning this election. And Donald Trump pulls off a stunning victory. Uh, uh, and and uh, with several states still counting, uh, his electoral vote totals could continue to increase over the next couple of days as we see what happened. Uh, there was scorn heaped upon him from from the elites uh, for his strategy. Um, uh, there was even doubt he had a strategy. But if he did, the strategy was run up the totals with the white working class voters. That seemed to work. It, it certainly did. And uh, Donald Trump spoke early on about trying to expand the electoral map for Republicans. And through most of the election, it looked like he was failing to do that. Uh, but over the last couple of days, we saw uh, Michigan reclassified as a battleground state. We saw Pennsylvania reclassified as a battleground state. Uh, even polls showing things tightening and coming into reach in Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, those states are the kinds of states that people had said nine months ago that if Trump was going to win, those were states he needed to be able to win. And somehow he pulled it off. It's uh, this will be looked at uh, for years to come, I'm sure. What effect do you think that uh, the the letter by FBI Director James Comey to Congress uh, had? We, you know, some pundits were saying the race was already tightening at that point. Uh, I'm sure Democrats. Will you know? Call me. Will be a dirty word for years to come for Democrats. <laughs> Undoubtedly, uh, you know there were some indications that the race was starting to tighten at the time or prior to the time that the Comey letter came out, and uh, uh, Comey, uh, to his credit, uh, did deal with the issue quickly. 
I can't imagine that he and many others at the FBI were getting much sleep over those several days. But if the FBI letter was really the decisive factor in this election, you would expect that when Trump, uh, or excuse me, when Comey came out and, and cleared Hillary Clinton, said the emails didn't contain anything uh, illegal in them, uh, that things would have shifted back the other direction. Uh, and, and, and that didn't happen, but instead the momentum continued to move in Trump's favor, uh, which suggests uh, that, that perhaps it didn't have the effect that, uh, that, that that's not the single factor to which we can tr- contribute the outcome of the election. Now, 2020 is, uh, you know, 2020 is perfect hindsight, right? Is that the expression? I'm, I'm slaughtering it. So it is, yes. I, I'm, I'm kind of sleep deprived. Um, but, um, and so we see things uh, a little more clearly in the, in the aftermath. Uh, I asked you this last night, maybe you get your reaction having uh, had eight hours to, to ponder it more. Um, there's a debate among political scientists as to how much uh, campaigns actually matter. And uh, looking back, it seems a little more clear that uh, the change candidate always was going to have uh, a big leg up. Uh, however flawed he, he turned out to be, um, and he was the the candidate of change. He was the outsider, and it looks like that was a big factor. It, it certainly was. You know, one of the uh, good lessons from this election for political scientists is that the fundamentals in an election really matter a lot, and campaigns have effects only on the margin of those uh, fundamentals. And uh, there were only a, a couple of people, uh, uh, political scientists, who made forecasts in favor of Donald Trump. Uh, the two leading models uh, that, that made these uh, claims, one was the Time for a Change model from Alan Abramowitz. And Abramowitz actually disavowed his model. Even though it forecasted uh, a Trump victory, he said, I think my model is wrong. Uh, the other was uh, Helmut Norpoth at Stony Brook University. And his model also builds into account that, generally speaking, we go two terms with the president uh, controlling, uh, with one party controlling the presidency, and then we have a change. And that's an element of uh, a key element of both of these models. And I think uh, that people underestimated how much the American people wanted change when they were forecasting a Clinton victory. I should point out, uh, Professor Harmoth Norpoth. N- Norpoth. Sorry, sorry. Uh, he should be a household name, and it, we'll 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 try to promote that here. Nor- Norpoth, you have a connection to him, I, I believe. I do. He was my dissertation advisor when mm-hmm. I was a graduate student at mm-hmm. Stony Brook University. Now we should point out, Professor Norpoth was roundly criticized, um, made fun of. Yes, pushback <laughs> because he's been saying that uh, Trump's going to win the presidency for what a year or. Yes. His, uh, his model takes into account two things. Uh, one is this natural cyclical dynamic of each party taking two terms uh, as pres- in, in the presidency and then a switch to the other party. And then the other thing that he incorporates is outcomes in the New Hampshire primary. Uh, New Hampshire measuring uh, – New Hampshire has lots of different – uh, factions in the Republican and Democratic Party. And so he argues that if, uh, if, if a candidate can pull together a winning coalition in New Hampshire, that's a good sign for their ability to win uh, in November in a general election. And if they struggle to pull their car- party's coalition together in New Hampshire in January or, or February, 
then it's going to be much more difficult for them to win in the election. Mm. And, uh, of course, looking back, Hillary Clinton uh, lost New Hampshire uh, to Bernie Sanders, and New Hampshire gave Donald Trump his first primary victory. And so uh, uh, those factors fed into this model and, and suggested to, uh, to Helmut Norpoth uh, that this was uh, uh, the right prediction to make. And while roundly criticized for, for months afterwards, I, I suspect he probably feels pretty good this morning. Uh, and, you know, deservedly so. Um, the pollsters got it wrong. And the, most of the pollsters got it wrong. It looks like, you know, the uh, Clinton lead of uh, the Real Clear Politics um, average was was about three points heading into Election Day. Um, you know, Trump may have won some of those states by one percentage point. So say a four or five percent uh, error. But but still, it's it's an error. It, it is. Uh, you know, polling is uh, is is not perfect. Uh, there were there were clear signs in polls that um, th- that we were drifting uh, towards a tighter election, uh, but nobody really foresaw exactly how much that drift was taking place. There's two issues there. Uh, issue number one is that polls have a time lag on them. It takes several days to collect the phone calls uh, that you need for a poll, and then it takes some time to process the data, uh, get everything put together, and release it. And so by the time you're consuming a poll, you're typically about five days out uh, from the time period where you're capturing uh, the, a snapshot. And over the five days prior to this election, things were tightening in ways that we did not understand. Uh, but the other issue is trying to, uh, you know, if you're sampling, uh, drawing random uh, cards or numbers out of a hat, then you can, uh, you know what's in the hat. But when you're trying to sample voters, you don't know who the voters are when you're sampling a week out from the election because not everybody has voted yet. And so that makes uh, there a little bit of art as well as the science of polling, and that contributes to having some uncertainty. And in this instance, there was enough uncertainty uh, that in, in a close election that they picked the wrong winner. Will there need to be uh, fundamental changes in the way pollsters are working? Or are, are we heading into – these are two separate questions – are we heading into an era where uh, polling is not going to be as accurate? Polling is shifting in the U.S. Uh, simply because the way we communicate is changing, uh, and uh, there will always be updates and, and changes and shifts uh, in the nature of the polling process. Uh, but I think what the, the lesson learned here is people make – when you're polling, you make assumptions about what the electorate is going to look like. And uh, pollsters did not uh, anticipate the high level of turnout that we saw among uh, white working class males and uh, uh, the lower levels of Democratic turnout in this election. Uh, we uh, we are awaiting word uh, that Hillary Clinton, uh, I think, soon is going to uh, to make her concession speech. And we'll be going to that as soon as uh, soon as she's ready. Um, I want to talk about the what people are feeling today, and I, I'm, uh, we're, we've opened the phone lines here, and I want to know what you're feeling. I, I think uh, I'm hearing from people they're feeling stunned. That's an emotion I felt last night and this morning because I believed the prognosticators. You know, I, I was worshiping at the at the altar of Nate Silver. You know, and, <laughs> and, and it was uh, although he he had hedged his bet a little bit more than the others, but still, uh, five thirty eight had about a seventy percent uh, chance of of Clinton victory. Um, 
And so I think for some of us who really were uh, tuned to that and believing the prognosticators, we just didn't see this coming. So that's one emotion. Sure. Uh, well, uh, these folks have a pretty good track record. They've made very good predictions over the last several elections. Nate Silver picked every single state correctly uh, in the last uh, election. And as Silver started to make claims about the election narrowing and things getting closer, uh, people were criticizing him uh, and arguing that he uh, was being too generous to Donald Trump. Uh, and it turns out that he wasn't generous enough. And yeah. so I think a lot of folks are a little bit surprised uh, by by the lack of accuracy of some of the election forecasters. The other emotion for half the country, and predictably half the country was going to be anywhere from dissatisfied to outraged by the by the results of this election. It turns out, surprisingly so to many, uh, that it's it's the elites, it's the establishment, it's the highly educated, it's the, you know, it's the Clinton supporters uh, who are feeling that. Thomas Friedman, I think, uh, sums it up in New York Times, the headline, Feeling Homeless in America. Maureen Dowd, New York Times. You know, these are two elites uh, uh, absorbing the impossible. I, I think that's, a, that's an emotion that uh, some are feeling. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, there's, um, you know, be, because of the challenges in predicting, elites had a lot of faith in other elites. Uh, and the elites were all forecasting a Hillary Clinton victory. And so it's going to take some time for some of those folks to absorb uh, what happened. Uh, but we've seen some social movements like this around the world uh, uh, recently. And the U.S. is uh, feeling some of these trends, the uh, the Brexit phenomenon. Uh, and uh, and, and others around the world, some reactions to globalization. These are serious issues uh, that many elites have just looked past and assumed that people would agree with them on. But uh, there's a lot of people in this country, uh, enough to win a presidential election, that want to make, have a dialogue about this and want to make some decisions uh, that are different than the uh, direction that elites are, are, are pushing them. I, I, it's very hard to predict what a Trump presidency will, will look like. Uh, his concession speech last night, we saw the conciliatory, low-key Donald the, Trump. Yeah, a, vic, a victory speech. Uh, the, the, uh, or, or, <laughs> a victory speech. Sorry, sorry. Uh, not concession. I have uh, Hillary Clinton's concession speech yeah, yeah. On, on the mind. That's coming up. His victory speech, yes. Uh, maybe a Freudian slip because I was expecting a, <laughs> a different outcome. Um, but but his victory speech last night was we got the low-key conciliatory uh, Trump. Who knows? what Trump will get. It's going to be difficult to predict. Uh, the uh, Trump campaign has been uh, short on policy and long on personality. And uh, so we need to, we'll learn a lot uh, in the coming days. But instead of Trump uh, going out and, and uh, saying, all right, now it's time to lock her up, or now it's time to build the wall, uh, Trump, I, I think, had uh, perhaps spent some time looking at past uh, uh, victory speeches. I think he probably got some good advice on how to do this and to do it well and fell into a great tradition of American uh, president-elect being gracious. Uh, He complimented Hillary Clinton on a a well-fought race rather than aggressively attacking her. And, uh, um, you know, there's also a long-standing tradition, of course, of presidents striking a very conciliatory tone in these speeches and then... um, Kind of ignoring that uh, yeah. <laughs> after after all said and done, and when their presidency begins, so you know there's nothing to do but wait and see exactly what direction he's going to take this. And for half the country, Attorney General Rudy Giuliani, uh, Secretary of State Newt Gingrich, uh, that that's making some heads explode. That's those are very real possibilities. 
and uh, a President Trump who has appeared on, I think, InfoWars. Uh, you know, um, Alex Jones, <laughs> aliens. Now, I want to believe that that uh, that Mr. Trump, now President-elect uh, Trump, was uh, admiring Alex Jones's showmanship. That's just one. That's just one uh, item, though. That uh, maybe his supporters go along with that and, and think that's just uh, he, he's a showman. Trump is. He he knows how to speak to me. Don't take uh, policy items, specific policy items that he's thrown out there seriously. We we like the man. He's authentic. But for half the country, scratching their heads, uh, you know, up to exploding heads today. Well, sure. The, we had two candidates in this presidential election, both of whom were uh, quite unpopular coming into the uh, uh, coming into the election. And so, uh, whatever the outcome was going to be last night, we were going to wake up this morning with a lot of people dissatisfied uh, with the outcome of the election, and and no doubt uh, that continues to be true. Uh, but uh, the same would have been true had the outcome been a Hillary Clinton victory. It's just a, a slightly different set of people. Right, yeah, yeah, it's, it's half the country. So that, that brings me to, I, I don't know, we're all asking ourselves the question, can the country come together? Is, is that possible? Undoubtedly, some challenges with uh, bringing a country as divided as ours back together. The first start is to at least strike the right tone with rhetoric which Donald Trump attempted to do last night and I think did uh, a very good job of in that speech. Uh, but uh, it remains to be seen how long he can uh, can continue to do that. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's some serious challenges. Uh, you know, we, we've spoken over the last several months about division within the Republican Party. And Donald Trump uh, is charting a new course for the direction of the, the Republicans. And there are Republicans in the House of Representatives who would not endorse Trump, uh, who called on him to step down as the Republican presidential nominee. And now they and their party's president uh, are going to have to find ways to try to work together. And if Paul Ryan couldn't keep the Republican uh, group together in the House of Representatives, will Donald Trump be able to do this? You know, that's a good question. We really don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's it's. Uh, it, who knows? Uh, one more question. We go to some emails who started to come in here, and we are waiting for uh, Secretary Clinton uh, for her concession speech, and we'll go to that immediately that uh, she starts speaking. Um, I've been trying to think of a you know, analogous situation in history, um, and I wonder if if, if you think uh, Donald Trump is more likely to be, say, Warren G. Harding, sort of. Uh, you know, ineffectual, uh, but but kind of liked. Um, or is he Andrew Jackson, who was seen as uncouth and and you know revolutionary of the people, and the elites were appalled. But Jackson came in and uh, through force of will was able to get a lot done. The, I, I think the parallels to Jackson are actually pretty good, and probably as good as we get in American history. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's there's some uniqueness and there's some distinctions there. Uh, but I, I think that's kind of the style, uh, perhaps the model, uh, given Trump's personality uh, and similarities to Andrew Jackson's uh, personality as well. He, I expect he will be aggressive and that he'll go after things and, and really push to get things done. But the climate, generally speaking, is much different uh, now than the political climate was uh, when Andrew Jackson became president of the United States. And it's going to be a little bit more challenging because of the polarized climate in Congress and divisions internally within the Republican Party for Donald Trump to be able to find ways to get stuff done with Congress.
Resetting the scene, we're recapping this historic 2016 election night on Access Utah today and have with me Damon Can, Associate Professor of Political Science at Utah State University. We expect uh, to have Mike Lyons with us a little later in the program. He's also with USU's Political Science Department. And we're especially looking to you, your reaction. Uh, are you feeling stunned? Are you feeling shocked? Are you feeling jubilant? Uh, what What's your feeling today? I th- I'm sure that the feelings are all over the map. Uh, with this surprising, one of the big upsets in American history, uh, Donald Trump is president-elect of the United States. Here is an email from Glenn, who says, Anyone who wants to be president, uh, bait enough to run the gauntlet of the campaign season, should be suspect on the outset. That being said, the election of such a narcissist as Trump gives the appearance of a general state of denial and malaise toward the apparent importance of our leaders by our electorally active countrymen. In his book, The Narcissist Next Door, Jeff Kluger uh, states that the typical narcissist is a charmer and a performer, good at getting the job or position, but generally uh, doesn't have the chops to follow through. My prediction, one-term president with a heavy dissatisfaction with the lack of a wall, which he won't be able to get done, no real job creation, no immigration reform, and in general, few real tangible decisions which make any difference toward what he promised. That's Glenn. Uh, Thanks for that. So Damon Ken, uh, this this was Jeb Bush's prediction. He said, you know, there's just going to be a lot of disillusionment if Donald Trump gets elected. There won't be a wall. There won't be anything. He'll be ineffective. There are undoubtedly some significant challenges with accomplishing many of the items uh, Donald Trump laid out on the agenda. Uh, There are some things that I think probably will change. I think there's a very real chance that the Affordable Care Act is gone Mm -hmm. uh, because we have a Republican president who has been dead set against it, a Republican Congress, uh, a Republican House of Representatives that has voted multiple times to repeal it, and a Republican majority in the Senate. Uh, And so there's going to be some real uh, challenges for the uh, continued existence of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, uh, But there are other policies that are going to be much more difficult uh, for uh, Donald Trump to accomplish. Even with the unified Congress, there's still a lot of division. uh, And uh, you can't just, uh, when you're a CEO, you can say, all right, we're going to do this, and you make it happen. And if people stand in your way, you can say you're fired, as Donald Trump has done on many occasions. But as president of the United States, you can't just go to the House of Representatives, and if they say no, you can't say, House of Representatives, you're fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to take some time uh, for Trump to figure out, and he's going to need to receive some good advice and act on that advice if he wants to be successful uh, with a legislative policy agenda. Yeah, I think that's what, that's something I've been talking about. Uh, so it looks like uh, Secretary Clinton is. Oh, we have a call. Um, uh, we're we're doing sign language here. Um, oh, <laughs> my clients there. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's follow. Let's wrap up this uh, point, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll bring in Professor Lyons. Um, the 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 skill set doesn't necessarily, you know, businessman, deal maker in the private sector, does not necessarily transfer. To uh, to being effective in government, I suppose it could. We we might see that Mr. Trump will be successful in doing that and working with Congress, but uh, not doesn't necessarily transfer. It's not clear how it will transfer. Uh, we have some successful business people who transfer over and, and, and take positions as governors or in the House or the Senate, and they uh, have things go pretty well for them. Uh, there's a long history in the United States of generals uh, coming out of military background and being successful, though not as much recently, especially Dwight Eisenhower probably being the best mm-hmm. uh, uh, 
well, not super recent, but uh, kind of recent within uh, many people's lifetimes uh, um, of an example uh, of that kind of happening. Uh, but there's also some challenges because it's not a command and control process. It's a process of compromise and it's a process of trying to build relationships to make things work. And uh, we'll see how effectively Donald Trump can do that. Uh, the expectations will be pretty high. One of Trump's supporters, I, I've been, I, I heard last night they interviewed some supporters. They, and they were saying, yeah, we'll give them some time. We understand that it takes some time, um, but they want to change, and they've got symbolic change, but effective change that's a little hard to come by. Change takes time, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think one of the things that um, you know, if if people use the building or failure to build a wall. Uh, as a metric for Donald Trump's presidency, as, as a single metric, uh, then there is some chance uh, that they will be disappointed. Uh, the the way we work in election campaigns, uh, you know, the the way people, the psychology of voters works, a candidate has to run and promise all kinds of sweeping, enormous change. Uh, Barack Obama did this in 2008. Uh, George W. Bush did this in 2000. Bill Clinton did this in 1992. And it's just difficult to impossible to act on all of those sorts of, of promises in, uh, in very short order. And for that reason, you actually see a clear pattern where after the first six months to a year in office, a president's uh, uh, popularity and approval ratings almost always begin to drop off. Uh, as people expect rapid change as a result of a change in the presidency, uh, and that is almost never realized. Uh, And then things tend to decline, and as a president goes back into campaign mode into the fourth year of their office, then oftentimes you'll see those rise again as they start broadcasting and campaigning on accomplishments and achievements. Uh, But in order for Donald Trump to be successful, if he seeks a second term four years from now, he's going to need to be able to run on accomplishments rather than being able to run on themes of change and running against the establishment. But he, he will be the establishment. Exactly. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back more with Damon Can, we'll uh, bring in Mike Lyons, also from USU's Political Science. All of that on Access Utah Today, and especially uh, your call, your email. We want to know what you're thinking and feeling. If you're a Democrat, to what's your what's your what's your mood? Can we can we maybe talk you out of a funk? Uh, if you're a Trump supporter, what what are your expectations? And uh, what what are the prospects? Can the nation actually come together? Can Congress now that it's quote unquote I put uh, hard quotes around the word uh, unified? Republicans uh, control all all areas of government. Uh, control put quotes around control too because there's splits within the Republican Party. What are the prospects for getting things done? Uh, 800-826-1495 or upraxcess at gmail.com. More following the break. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams and, and uh, have with me in studio uh, Mike Lyons with uh, USU's Political Science uh, Department. Uh, we excused uh, Damon Can had to get on to other things. We're going to extend the program uh, for another 15 minutes. Um, Mike Lyons, uh, your general reaction, it's, uh, is, it, is it shock along with much of the rest of the country? It's shock. Uh, the polls were wrong, seriously wrong. Um, and, you know, where the nation goes now, uh, I, I don't know. Um, the Republican Party is deeply divided internally, and I understand you and Damon talked about this to some extent already. Um, 
I don't believe Donald Trump is qualified to be president. And I do think he will be in a position where he will have to bring veteran Republicans, frankly, establishment Republicans to a degree, into his administration. Uh, He's going to need almost immediately to reassure the financial markets. He's going to need to reassure our allies and NATO. And um, it, it will be a fascinating transition period, but um, one in which I think we'll find out much more about how he um, intends to govern. And uh, just as brief speculation off my cuff, I, I think it's not going to be too long here before some of his supporters discover that it's not possible to overthrow the Washington establishment, Mm -hmm. Uh, that once elected, you have no choice but to uh, form alliances with it, Mm. at least to some degree. So do you think disillusionment among his supporters is inevitable? Yes. But, and I did hear Damon earlier in your program talk about this, disillusionment with our presidents and our political system is almost a fixed part of our culture right now. And uh, Trump is very likely to enter office with the lowest approval rating of any president since World War II. Um, I don't think Democrats or uh, certainly not many many females are going to warm up to him right away. Mm. There's a long track record there of saying things that deeply offended people and a track record apparently of behavior that um, was borderline criminal almost, if the allegations are correct. And um, I I, I think we're headed for a very difficult passage here. Mm. Luckily, the national economy is sound. Um, The world is not in deep crisis. Uh, Syria obviously is a serious mess. Uh, The Russians enjoy flexing their muscles. Uh, Vladimir Putin has got to take this as a very positive sign, yeah. and um, I, I wonder what his next moves are likely to be. But um, you know, it, it, the, the country is in much better shape than it was, say, eight years ago, mm-hmm. and um, so we'll we'll sit and watch. And you know, as a Democrat personally. I have deep questions about the future of the Democratic Party. The party is now essentially leaderless. Uh, My criticism of Hillary Clinton's campaign most fundamentally would be that there were no ideas. As you said, the only idea was is that Trump's not qualified to be president. And um, I think the Democratic Party has failed to present new, genuine ideas to the voters here for quite some time. Obama was a fresh face and he was symbolically new, but the ideas weren't new. Mm. The last new ideas associated with the Democratic Party came from Bill Clinton in the mid-1990s. And uh, this may, may be an election in which the loser ultimately over the longer term becomes the winner because now the Democratic Party is blown into smithereens and it needs to reconstruct itself. Mm. Whereas the Republicans have inherited power and they need to do something constructive with it if they're going to continue to win elections in the future and they've got very deep divisions that they somehow need to heal or work around or something. 
And um, I'm not sure how that happens within the Republican Party. Hmm. Let's go to a couple of emails that we have. By the way, we're looking for your reaction to the historic results, that upset victory by Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton last night. Uh, also, the Senate uh, stays in Republican hands. I think a, a, a net gain by, by Democrats of one. And that's after high hopes that they could perhaps uh, regain that chamber. And the, the House, uh, I think it's a, a gain of maybe five or something, which is on the very low end of what the, what the House Democrats hoped that they could get. Here is a question from uh, Monique from Nibley. Is there any way of knowing if Trump's reality television show popularity encouraged voters who would not normally vote to participate in the election? Perhaps to some degree. I, I think this was much more of a referendum on Hillary Clinton and, as Damon, I think, has said, on the Washington establishment. Uh, we have been trying to overthrow the Washington establishment in this country at least as far back as Jimmy Carter in 1976. And, um, I mean, Barack Obama's presidency was um, an outsider candidacy, an insurgent candidacy. To some extent, Bill Clinton's was. To some extent, Ronald Reagan's was. And um, I think that's the most important dynamic by far here is simply this belief that Washington isn't serving us well. And um, one scholarly hypothesis and, and journalistic hypothesis that exists out there that I think is largely correct is that these attempts to overthrow the Washington establishment have simply made everything worse, and not just in the presidency, in Congress even more so. Mm-hmm. So you've got insurgents like Ted Cruz who have turned the Senate largely dysfunctional uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, what most scholars think we need to do to improve government is pretty much exactly the opposite of what we're doing. Hmm. Let's uh, go to a caller. George is on the phone. Uh, George uh, dropped. Pity. Okay. Uh, call back, George. Um, the number is 800-826-1495. 800-826-1495. Love to know what you're feeling uh, what you're what you're thinking, but I think a lot uh, this morning is feeling. There's there's a lot of what, what people are shock, uh, feeling stunned, uh, wondering what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, predictably, half the country was going to be ecstatic, and half uh, the other half, uh, you know, stunned. It, it, it turned out uh, Donald Trump supporters are happy today. Eight hundred eight two six one four nine five, or you can join us by email to upraxcess at gmail dot com. Upraxcess at gmail dot com. Here's an email from Alec. He says, I don't see many people talking about the fact that a majority of voters did not elect this person to office. Why are people not discussing the ramifications of another election where the system splits in the face of democracy? And in the end, I think, did Hillary win the popular vote? You know, I haven't seen the totals. And I looked online briefly this morning and couldn't find them. I know they were forecasting last night that uh, the vote in California could give Hillary a majority of the popular vote, and it did seem mathematically possible. Uh, given the Johnson vote and whatever Stein vote there was, uh, I would guess that Donald Trump did fall short of 50 percent, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not terribly unusual. Um, but this is um, an artifact of the framing of the Constitution, Uh, History has turned the Electoral College into something very different than what the framers intended, and really all it does is distort the popular vote to give greater weight to popular vote in some states than in other states, and um, I I would 
like to see it um, eliminated or circumvented somehow. Mm-hmm. The national popular vote movement would circumvent it by um, the participating states would cast their electoral votes for the winner of the national popular vote, um, and that person then would become the winner of the election. Uh, we need participation by states with 270 or more electoral votes. I think that they are currently at 163 electoral votes with other states, including Utah, seriously considering considering joining the pact. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I I would like to see that movement be successful, although I can't uh, with confidence predict that it will be. Let's go next to Lynn from Arizona. Lynn, glad you called. Go ahead. Hi. So um, as a Democrat and as a young person um, and a person who's in the military as well, the election, the turnout actually was very surprising, like anyone else. But it's, and it's going to be hard. Perfected outcomes have historically resulted in very liberal backlash after some years. So midterm elections are going to be very, extremely important. And so what happens now? We start tomorrow after we mourn and rest. <laughs> you, uh, Lynn, you're breaking up, but I think we got the, the gist of your, your, your comment. And I, I've had the same question. Um, you know, what do, what do you do if you're a Democrat? What do you do? Let me, let me preface this by reading uh, something from Garrison Keillor, writing in the Washington Post. Uh, He's uh, just a a paragraph from his column from this morning. We liberal elitists are now completely in the clear. The government is in Republican hands. Let them deal with him. Democrats can spend four years raising heirloom tomatoes, meditating, reading Jane Austen, traveling around the country, tasting artisan beers, letting Republicans build the wall and carrying on trade war with China and deport the undocumented deal with opioids. We Democrats can go for a long, brisk walk and smell the roses. That's uh, Garrison's in the, in the mood for, uh, you know, just taking taking a break. I'm sure that, you know, some Democrats and anti-Trumpers are in that mood. Lynn is uh, stating a, a, an opposite course, which is, uh, you know, let's let's after a period of mourning, let's get to work. Well, Democrats should be heartened by the fact that uh, uh, by many metrics, the electorate has become more liberal. Uh, we saw, I think, at least three states yesterday legalize marijuana. Uh, there is, I think, clear majority support now for gay marriage nationally. And across the board on the so-called social issues, the electorate has steadily moved leftward. By the same token, uh, as I remarked to you earlier, Tom, I, I think ultimately Ronald Reagan was the one who won this election for Donald Trump and for the Republicans when he famously declared that government is not the solution, government's the problem. And that's been a, a very important dynamic in American voting patterns going all the way back to that 1980 election. And in the areas where uh, liberals are making advances, such as marijuana legalization, it is when liberals want to scale back the scope of government. (laughs) And um, so I I think liberals need to rethink what their approach to government is fundamentally. And the fact of the matter is expanding programs – of various types for college students, seniors, poor people, um, is exceedingly difficult when you're running $500 billion budget deficit structurally. We're past the recession now. This is a structural deficit we have. And until the Democrats 
address that. Um, traditional democratic programs designed to help the disadvantaged or to spend money to solve problems are not viable politically. So uh, the party needs to reflect seriously on what its future will be, what ideas it has about governance, and maybe how the Democratic Party can attain some of its ideals without traditional tax and spend approaches. Hmm. We just have a couple of minutes left. I know we have to let you go in, a, in just a couple of minutes, uh, Mike Lyons. Uh, what about the Republican Party? Um, this is, uh, I'm thinking that some Republicans were secretly hoping for a Trump defeat because then they, they could just shuffle him off to Buffalo Back to well, back to you know Manhattan, right? And uh, and they could retake their part. Now it's it's going to be rebranded in the image of Trump, isn't it? There'd be a battle over that. And Damon Can and I discussed this, and I do think there were many Republicans who were secretly hoping for a Clinton victory, in part because they don't necessarily want to deal with parts of Trump's agenda. Certainly, the opposition to free trade, the wall between the United States and Mexico. Uh, his um, some of his foreign policy ideas, his skepticism about NATO. Uh, this does not please the Republican establishment at all. And if Hillary had won the election, uh, they just could have blamed all the nation's problems on her for another four years, which has proved to be a you know a very uh, effective political tactic. Uh, whatever goes wrong, blame it on the Democrat in the White House. So, yes, the Republicans clearly have their own problems at this point, and um, it will be very interesting in the weeks forthcoming, first of all, to see how far Trump goes to try to make peace with the Republican Party establishment, secondly, how Paul Ryan reacts to everything, because within the Congress, he is the most respected uh, leader, Um, and... um, you know, what happens to some of the moderate Republican senators like Susan Collins, who have absolutely nothing in common with Donald Trump? Um, it, it, that, that we are headed for uh, major change. And in that sense, Donald Trump uh, will deliver on his promise. I don't believe the nature of the change will be what his supporters expect. <laughs> Uh, so profound change, but also unpredictable change. Yeah. Um, this this is extraordinary, and uh, we, we've got the phone lines open for you, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495, or upraxcess at gmail.com. Let's take a brief break. Again, we'll come back very briefly. We expect perhaps President Obama is, is going to, to speak. We'll uh, we will uh, look for that as well. Uh, Damon Ken, who's from USU's Political Science Department, was with us earlier. And uh, Mike Lyons from USU's Political Science Department has been with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. And uh, I know you have to get going here. We'll take, take a break, and uh, we'll come back briefly after this break. Historic Election Night is now in the rearview mirror. The seemingly endless campaign, divisive, outrageous, um, one of the most brutal campaigns in American history is uh, is now over and uh, ends with a very surprising result, possibly even to the president-elect himself, Donald Trump. 
Um, an historic upset. Uh, Donald Trump has defeated Hillary Clinton. The uh, Senate stays in uh, Republican hands. The House as well. And so we now have unified government for the first time in, in a while. Like a couple of years, 2008 to 2010 was the last time. And before that, uh, I believe uh, perhaps uh, for part of uh, George W. Bush's presidency. It has been a while. We'll uh, see what uh, Republicans will do. We want to know what you're thinking and perhaps even more importantly, what you're feeling this morning. Um, were you uh, shocked and stunned like many of uh, Americans? Um, but because the, the pollsters seem to have uh, gotten this wrong with one or two exceptions. The number is 1-800-826-1495. 800-826-1495. Love to hear from you. Maybe you're a Trump supporter, and uh, you, we, and we'd love to hear from you what you uh, expect from a President Trump who you've now helped to elect. Uh, perhaps you're a Democrat who's, uh, I don't know, what, stunned, sad, catatonic this morning? Uh, 800-826-1495, or you can reach us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. In those headlines from Real Clear Politics, um, I think this sums it up for the elite and for the establishment. This from Maureen Dowd, New York Times, the headline, Absorbing the Impossible. And from Thomas Friedman, also New York Times, Feeling Homeless in America. On the other hand, uh, Michael Goodwin, New York Post, Trump's win for the little guy turns the world upside down. Um, those are some of the headlines. Do you agree with uh, Garrison Keeler? He's indicating that he's in the mood, along with some of his uh, fellow elites, as he liberal elites, as he describes them, uh, to kind of take a break from politics for a little while. Spend four years raising heirloom tomatoes, meditating, reading Jane Austen, traveling around the country, tasting artisan beers. Um, or do you agree uh, more with our caller earlier, Lynn from Arizona, who uh, said as, uh, as a Democrat, some of disabilities, uh, she's shocked and as a woman, uh, is shocked by the outcome, but uh, she's going to take a little bit of time to mourn, and then she's going to get to work. She's urging other Democrats to do the same. 800-826-1495 or upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. Uh, we expect fairly shortly President Obama will address the nation after this historic uh, election eve. Uh, we do have a unified Republican control. Um, do the Republicans own it? Uh, what's the... Uh, what is the role for Democrats now going forward in the next four years? It uh, appears that we could have a Secretary of State Newt Gingrich and Attorney General uh, Rudy Giuliani. Um, controversial figures, what do you think about that and uh, who will fill out uh, Trump's cabinet? We are going to wrap things up here uh, quite shortly. And uh, we will have the president's speech as soon as uh, that happens. Uh, one more time, the numbers, uh, 800-826-1495, or you can reach us to upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. And uh, we hope to hear from you. You've been listening to uh, Access Utah. We actually um, um, have uh, this email from Steve in Arizona. Steve says, the, he, he says, USC polling model also predicted Trump win. Yes, uh, Steve, I've neglected to credit them. We did credit the professor who a year ago predicted a Trump victory based on fundamentals, but the, the, the USC LA Times model, which was, I think, made fun of a bit uh, through this election year, the, the tracking uh, model uh, always predicted Trump, and that predicted a, a Trump victory. So we should give credit to USC uh, LA Times uh, tracking poll there. Uh, thanks for that reminder, uh, Steve. 
Um, you can keep your comments coming to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at uh, gmail.com. And uh, let's go out here with um, a bit of the action from last night, or actually early this morning, Mountain Time. Uh, we'll hear uh, Mike Pence followed by uh, Donald Trump just uh, briefly from their victory speeches. This is a historic night. The American people have spoken, and the American people have elected their new champion. America has elected a new president, and it's almost hard for me to express the honor that I and my family feel that we will have the privilege to serve as your Vice President of the United States of America. I come to this moment, I come to this moment deeply humbled, grateful to God for His amazing grace. And I'm mostly grateful to our president-elect, whose leadership and vision will make America great again. So let me say, it is my high honor and distinct privilege to introduce to you the President-elect of the United States of America, Donald Trump. Thank you very much, everybody. Sorry to keep you waiting. Complicated business. Complicated. Thank you very much. So that's just a bit of the action early this morning as uh, Mike Pence and Donald Trump uh, gave their victory speeches. You can keep the comments coming. Hope that you will to upraxis at gmail.com. And uh, thanks so much for joining us for coverage last night and uh, coverage this morning here on Utah Public Radio. You can visit our website for much more, upr.org. Thanks for listening.